Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Kate, I have something to tell you. Mm. I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> You're Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man. I feel like and that's... At least, at yeah. least I feel like I'm Spider-Man because I've been playing the Spider-Man video game a lot. Mm-hmm. So I've been... There's been a lot of Spider-Man in the house. I'm worried that okay. my person's going to become a Spider-Man widow. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been seeing a lot of tweeting about this. It's a, it's, I'm guessing it's a good game. You're enjoying yourself. It is. I am enjoying myself a great deal, and um, no, it's a lot of fun. I like some of the changes that they made to some of the characters, and like, it, it's just been fun to play. I don't particularly like that Spider-Man's complicit in a surveillance state that's run by the NYPD and is managed by Norman Osborn. It's it's not great. It's not great. That, so. That's that's very Batman. That's not and very Iron Man. That's not that's not very Spider Man. That's not a Spider Man yeah, thing. It's not. But they had to figure out how to get you to get the map open somehow, and it's just like that's not how this works. That's stupid. Well, yeah. Oh well. How are you? I am well. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I finally um, I've been meaning to. There's a couple of purchases I've been meaning to to make and putting off making for a while. And I just was mm-hmm. like, screw it. And just got so I bought a new phone, which should show up in a while. Because um, I've needed to. I'm so I have a one plus one, and okay. they're currently on one plus six, and okay. I'm still rocking a one plus one. And it hasn't died yet, but it's been like flirting with that for a while. And I was sitting there this the other day, and it kept like glitching and and or like um the the headphones kept the connection kept sputtering out and every time i would click on something it would, it would, everything would freeze and then it would work again i was like kate this is going to die when this dies do you want to have lost all your contacts all your like all your data that's on this phone or do you want time to transfer your data to your new phone before you absolutely have to because your phone is a brick like yes kate internal monologue kate yes i should actually not wait until it it physically dies before i i buy the the other one that i know i'm gonna have to and apparently the 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 new one plus that they're doing is not gonna have a headphone jack anymore so that's what finally pushed me i was like i'm buying when they still have a headphone jack man so my current phone can't use its headphone jack anymore because it is overheated and melted the part that connects so I can only use Bluetooth. So I look forward to being able to actually use my headphones again when I get back to my new phone. So that's how I am. I've been like focused on that was very much in that zone uh this week. And uh I know like we're talking about like how like very banal stuff while like an entire state is underwater. So yeah. Obviously, our thoughts are with everybody in North Carolina and in that part. Like, the place where my family goes for vacation every other year is, like, they've evacuated the whole island. They shut down the bridge. Like, 
It's got anticipating at least 30 inches of water, which has already happened <laughs> in the first day. Uh, so it's, it's a ser- very serious situation. A lot of people are dealing with a lot of very real shit right now. Um, but hopefully we can be a little break from that in our very pedestrian issues about phones and the, and the like video games yeah. <laughs> video games you know spider manning um i know i was very uh heartened to see some of the big tv news this week which the big i mean the number one thing was less moonves uh g- being forced out at cbs maybe with 120 million dollars maybe with only a hundred million dollars we'll just never know yeah cbs is giving 20 million to times up yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess, yay, but, like... You weren't going to do it otherwise, so... It does also feel like, well, is this the math that makes it okay that you kept this guy here for this long with these allegations against him? Like... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It, and I'm very happy that more people felt able to come forward with their accusations of of assault and just not even sexual assault, just, like, this person is a bully who ruined my career, um, there are several of those too. Uh, so I'm glad people are speaking out. I, I, yeah, hundred, $120 million severance. I will yeah. be very surprised if he doesn't get it. Oh, I will be too. Um, I know that there were reports that some of the board members were just like, I don't care how many people come forward. Less is my man. And I'm going to support him no matter what. And it's like, this is exactly the problem. <laughs> also, Rogan yeah. Farrow, here's this guy's name. Go see what you can hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Rogan Farrow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, I mean, and the this it's not it's not TV, but the the, the stuff around the Predator scandal mm-hmm. is you know similarly disheartening, and like the just the tone deaf responses from some of the the male castmates of Olivia Munn on that, just being like, well, you know. Basically, he said, she said, and it's like, n- no, 14-year-old family member. Yeah. Are you kidding me? As if, like, if 14-year-old wasn't bad enough for you, then you've got a problem. But uh, let's add, you know, real distant but still relation on top of that and see if you're still okay with this. Like, yeah, that's the thing. There's, there's, uh, there's a difference between... Having legal recourse and having social consequences to things, and right, th- these are entirely different. And uh, w- listening to the response, especially because they had enough time to do the notice, they had they had, they were given notice. Mun gave them notice about this stuff, so they should they could have done their own research before they made public statements like weeks later. I mean, I don't know. It's very disheartening. Yeah, and the response to Mun has been really condescending from her male castmates as well which is also equally disappointing of like very sort of politely passive aggressive if not outright condescending so it's just like yeah sterling k brown tv guy down down in the list whereas uh her fabulous uh co-star from the newsroom thomas starts with an s s last name starts with an s got saddled with that really unfortunate campus rape episode uh, came out vocally in support of her right away because he's awesome. You, listeners may remember he came out immediately in support of Jessica uh, Walters with the Arrested Development thing, too. So we like him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, every time I hear someone worry that Me Too is overstepping or going too far or any of these different things, I just, like, 
part of me gets very tired and part of me gets very angry. <laughs> and then they have to fight for whether we're going to make this a thing. And usually the answer is yes. Um, but, but yeah, that's sort of where I, where I'm at with that. It's like, what caught, oh, that hundred million dollar thing, uh, decades long career. And that's, oh yeah, so far. I've gone so far. It's just like, how dare they? The Me Too movement. Um. Anyway, sorry, I could keep going on this. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on on the Moonves specifically situation? Not really. I mean, I'm disheartened that I saw reports that CBS was potentially keeping him around for a year in you know, an advisory capacity. To which I went, yeah, um, yeah. Kate, that's the correct face. Um, I was also disheartened by yeah. the reports of potentially sexually assaulting either Angela Lansbury or Sharon Gless. It's a we're oh, it's, an, it's how- definitely Angela Lansbury because well, of the Sharon, years. Well, Cagney and Lacey movies were running into the '90s, so it's sort of okay. a weird. It's 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 one or the other. But either also, way, yeah, either way, it's bad. But also, you stay away from Angela Lansbury, Les Moonves. You stay yeah. away. <laughs> Did you see the Angela Lansbury um, uh, fan account that was tweeting no. stuff? Oh, it was great. It was like, how do you like that now? How, how you like things? How things are now, motherfucker? <laughs> Which was just delightful with the little picture from Murder She Wrote next to it. Um, but uh, yeah, because there was some comment from him, a quote about how when he started at the network, the the sexiest person there, the sexy peeled person was Angela Lansbury, and so <laughs> hopefully we have some more attractive people now. And so there was some quote tweeting happening. It was delightful. Yeah, it sucks. Do you want to talk about the Weekend TV, though? Yeah, we. I do want to talk about the Weekend TV. I also want to talk about uh, a little Agatha Christie, uh, which was fun. And that's our spotlight this week. Uh, I did not know that this happened, that this came out. Yeah, uh, I and, knew it had come out. I just hadn't gotten, gotten around to it. So I hadn't read this one, because I've read all of the Agatha Christie, like, uh, the Hercule Poirot, and I've read many of the Miss Marples and all that, but I haven't read all of her standalones. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. I like locked into a detective and read all of those, and that's what your new detective read all of I those. I think that I think that's how you're supposed to do it, though. Yeah. Um. So this is a Christie book that uh, got adapted. Um. At least I mean, it might have been adapted before, but it was adapted by the BBC and uh, is currently available on Amazon if you have Prime. And uh, it's a three part thing that that I guess premiered on Amazon at the beginning of August, and I missed yeah. it, and so now we're catching up with it. And that's going to be our spotlight segment at the end of the show. So looking forward to that. It was a good summer watch, I think. Yeah, no, it's a super good summer watch. And while I know a number of folks were kind of upset with the changes that they made, I appreciated some of them a lot. We are going to talk about that? Because, yeah, yeah. yeah no. Also, like, I'm really excited about what Sarah Phelps is doing with the Christie stuff. Because she's the one who did the um, adaptation for And Then There Were None a couple of years ago. That was pretty good. And... Mm-hmm. I'm less sure about ABC Murders with John Malkovich, but <laughs> we'll see about that, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay, more on that at the end of the show. But for now, we have a one more glorious, maybe two more truncated weeks more. in TV. I think two more, yeah. Yeah, listeners, we're getting dangerously used to this, like, short episode Ugh. thing. I bet the listeners are, too. <laughs> I know. It's just been wonderful. We're like, well... 
we could talk about these other things we watched, but we don't really have anything new to say. So let's just keep it a short hour to hour and a half long podcast, the length every other podcast does. <laughs> um, once we get back into our weekend, like like the, the fall TV and everything, I'm sure we'll get back more to our usual two hour length. But like, it's going to be a short one this week, and I'm okay with that. I'm definitely okay with that. So, because it means I have more time to go play Spider Man downstairs. Very exciting, and I have more time to to watch certain news channels and see the ridiculous things they make their forecasters do to, I guess, demonstrate oh. that there is a hurricane that everybody knows about. Anyways, yeah. uh, let's take a break. Let's listen to a little music, right? Yeah. Let's do a little music, and we'll be back with our weekend TV right after this. I'm going to talk about Marvel's Iron Fist season two. That's right. I watched it. I watched all of it. (laughs) Then I'll talk a bit about the So You Think You Can Dance season 15 finale. We'll move on to the premiere of REL, which is called Pilot, and a little little time on Wrecked again, Hunt Day, before we go over to Full Frontal with Samantha B, September 21st or 2021, 2018, and their shiny new set and everything. And we'll round things out with The Miniaturist on Masterpiece. Uh, It's a three-episode miniseries. The first episode aired this week, so we'll talk about that. So first up, Iron Fist season two. So listeners, you may... Why? You may Why? recall that last week I like background watched six episodes of it uh, while I was, you know, getting other work done because I couldn't watch something that actually required my attention, my full attention, because um, then I wouldn't get my work done. But I wanted something on. So I was like, well, sure, fine. Iron Fist. That feels like that's perfect viewing. Then uh, I finished the episode I was on and found out there were only 10 episodes. And not 13. I was like, oh. Oh, that's nice. It's like three more. I could watch three more episodes of Iron Fist. It's actually starting to get interesting. So I finished Iron Fist Season 2. And here's my take on Iron Fist Season 2. Because I've seen different reactions online. I've read a couple reviews. Um, I've seen people saying, you know, it's it's a real step up from Season 1. It's a lot better than Season 1. And then I've seen people saying, why did you guys say it was better than Season 1? This is not a good show. This is bad. And to which I say, yes. Both of these things. It is definitely better than season one. But, it but is... that bar was so low. Exactly. That's the thing. When somebody tells you that a season of television is significantly better than a terrible season of television, it doesn't mean that it's a good season. It just means it's not terrible. And uh, there are several things that the season does really well and, and some very smart moves that they make. The first and most significant one is that it is fewer episodes. Ten episodes was a very good decision instead of 13. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, I was you can see where there are certain threads that are developing. We get around to like season or season, sorry, episode like eight, uh, seven, eight, and I was like. Really? Like, what are they going to do for the last three? That hasn't stopped them in the past from doing things where I go, but they've got three more. Um, and then I realized that there were only ten. And I was like, oh, okay, well, then this makes way more sense and is very narratively satisfying and way to go. Um, there's a much greater significance uh, or in attention paid to uh, Colleen this season. She It develops her thread from last season, and the twist with her in the first season was stupid. But if you're going to do that twist, they actually, I think, do a pretty good job of following it up in this season, in season two, with uh, some fallout. And as a, I mean, as a teacher, as somebody who spends a lot of my time working with kids, I could really uh, connect to her thread about, uh, you know, feeling, realizing that she was like this, this unwitting accomplice to the hand and training children and sending them off to be brainwashed into like a killing ninja thing. Uh, and that really messing her up uh, and, and messing up because like this idea that she was responsible for what happened to these kids and that she can't teach anymore because of the responsibility. Because like I could absolutely, I mean, obviously I'm teaching violin. I'm not teaching people how to kill other people, <laughs> but or you know, I, I could really connect to that. Assassins how to play violin as cover. Yeah, well, I'm just like saying, stuff. bow to the eye, right? Like right in there, yeah. it's like, oh, it was an accident, you know. Get get a little poison on your string, and then, oh, the string just broke. Oh, it pilled your neck, which is a thing that has happened to people before. Um, right. Oh, that's see, see, listeners, if if some some kid is at a crime scene where there was a violin in Chicago, you need to <laughs> let the authorities know. Clearly, that's yes, it's part of my decades long ruse to. To, to yeah to, to to train the youth uh, anyway so I thought that worked really well and was surprisingly impactful the show just has a massive Danny Rand problem which is that he's not interesting he's not compelling the performance isn't very good and uh, he's better but not enough <laughs> you know like it really mm-hmm. is a galling when you compare the different leads of the shows it is a massive misstep by them, the casting. And I mean, I, it, that's not the actor's fault. It's the casting's fault. I wish he, yeah. I wish he was more suited to this role. and was doing, uh, able to bring more to it, but he's very good in a certain range. He was great on game of Thrones. He worked really great. Um, in that, in as Loris and what that ro- role required. And he brought, you know, like he, he fit in really nicely there, but what they want from this character like, it requires just a lot more depth, and we're not getting that. So between, I mean, it's not all acting either, too. It's it's performance, it's editing, it's direction, it's script, it's all that coming together. And and on the other shows, they've got people who are able to elevate and sell really terrific, um, or, or make terrific moments out of potentially not great moments. Like, think yeah. if you had miscast Kilgrave. How bad <laughs> season one of that Jessica season Jones? Would have been awful. It would have been terrible. It would have been terrible. And it, yeah. or I mean, Kristen Ritter does a lot with that character that other people wouldn't do. And the same thing could be yeah. said about my culture with Luke Cage. Absolutely. Like if they had somebody you didn't buy as Misty Knight, like Simone Missick, like like elevates every scene she's in. I mean, Rosario Dawson elevates every scene she's in. So they just they don't have that in the same way on Iron Fist. And so that's a real problem because he's the main character. He's in a lot of the, the episode. Um, I like some of the other threads that they were doing and, and they did, I think work. They pared down. So there wasn't as much 
going on. And then they spent more time on character and on mood. And I thought that that worked. Um, or at least it seemed to me that they did. The fight scenes, especially towards the end of the season, work really well. And uh, I thought we're actually, for someone, as I said last week, who's not as invested in fight scenes, uh, I thought they were much better than season one of Iron Fist. And uh, I could follow them, and I was engaged with them, and I was invested in them a lot more. The The times where they have a character just delaying, or they stick somebody in a room for a while to have a reason why they can't be fighting, you know, like that, that stuff. I actually bought it. I thought it worked narratively as well as being convenient. And, um, while, you know, like I, again, this is not a great show, but it was a very watchable show. And there were some smart moves that will pay off when they do another season. And I'm, infinitely more invested, as I've said before, in a Daughters of the Dragon spinoff with Misty Knight and Colleen. And last, after the first season, one of the big things I said was, everybody's talking about how Colleen is so great. Oh, just wait on it. She gets really great. And she didn't in season one. And that's not on the actor. That's on the material. There was not a lot of there there. Um, they, I, mean, I can now say that in season two. By the end of season two, I feel like they have lived up to what people were hyping about season one. In which, saying, I, I'm much more invested in Colleen. And it, I would follow a spinoff show about her after season two. In a way that I would not have been interested in after season one. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. Um, I <laughs> There's a couple cheats in, in characters. uh fates and in their decision making i don't quite buy them but um i'm because of my affinity for some of the performances and some of the the the, the just the narrative choices I, I will go with it and so I'm, I'm a lot more grace i'm a lot more uh forgiving or like willing to go with season two than i was season one and i think another big last thing i'll say is that this is absolutely this perspective and take my take on the season is absolutely shaped by how I watched this, which was in two binges and while I was mm -hmm. doing other stuff. If I had been, yeah. if I had to sit and write about this show and really like take everything in and, and, no and notice all the details and write a thousand words or even 500 words about each episode, I would have a much lower <laughs> opinion of this season. I do not think it will live up to that, that sort of scrutiny. But if you're just looking for something fun on the background, yeah. I so like I I think it's more interesting than Defenders. Uh it's definitely better than season 1 of Iron Fist, which is at the bottom. Um and yeah, I think that you know, it's at least they're moving in the right direction. Is sort of where I'm at with it. Uh do you have any questions or what do what do you think? You're definitely not going to watch this, but No, I'm definitely not going to watch it. I mean, you've you've already told me it's, it's still a terrible show. It's not it's not a good show. I don't think I would say it's yeah. terrible though. It's not a terrible show. It's okay. just not a good show. Right, and I'm not going to watch a good show. Though I am glad that they... Well, I will watch not good shows, as we both know. Yeah, we both watch not good shows. <laughs> but um, when like there's a whole new television series from some folks who worked on Avatar The Last Airbender that dropped today, mm -hmm. plus Good Place Screeners to watch. I know, right? It's... It took so much control to not watch The Good Place Screeners, which yeah, I don't no, know how long that'll um, last, but I... Not yeah. yet. <laughs> They're not going to make it through the weekend, probably. But this is what I'm saying, is that this is a situation in which I'm still not going to watch this. I don't find... I've never found Iron Fist interesting as a character. Mm -hmm. 
even in the comics. So the idea of watching it, spending time with him as a television show, it's not something I really want to do. So I think that I'm just, I'm, I'm okay. And I'm impressed that you did that. Are you going to come back for a third season? Oh yeah, I probably will because of how they end the season. Okay. Cause some of the choices they make okay. towards the end of the season, I will, yeah, I will likely t- tune in for season three. I did not intend to watch season two. It just happened. There was yeah. nothing else I needed to watch that fit this category of, I can't give it my full attention. Um, sure. Which is the only reason I watched it. My lowered expectations or lack of any expectations, any positive expectations for this is the only reason I watched it. Um, but I will actually be looking forward to and curious about season three. So well done, Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. That is great. Um, Tell, tell me about the finale of So You Think You Can Dance. So the So You Think You Can Dance had its season 15 finale and yeah, sure. Sure. They're good dancers. I mean, I don't, I just am so not invested in the season because of the way that they went through it because it was so abbreviated because we eliminated two people each week. So you didn't feel like you really got to to know them as well. Uh, the, the choices of dances that they did in the finale, I thought all made sense. I was really annoyed that Nigel gave the tap guy a brand new number. They this was the only original number for the finale. They made sure to give the tap guy um, a, a uh, an all star dance. It's like, oh, but the 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 jazz dancer that you screwed over by pairing her with the tapper when she can't, she's not a tap dancer. Did you give her a chance to actually shine? No. Oh well, fuck you. Uh, so that's yeah. sort of how I felt about that. They did redo uh, or have have like reperformed the Darius uh, All Star number that was choreographed by Travis, uh, which was lovely to see that. And and that was Nigel's pick, so it was lovely to see that one come back. That's the one where he plays uh, he dances as someone uh, who's gender nonconforming in their dress, uh-huh. uh, the conformity dance, which was which was terrific. Um, and some of the other picks I thought worked well. It, it, the winner ended up being Hanale, who's terrific um and you know something i had side-eyed the uh the the elimination of their two uh male dancers of color when when that uh when they kept in going to the final fight was jj and darius but i should note that hanale is of filipino descent so so like they have a woman of color who won um but you could tell like again just the dances that they were giving to different people, you could tell who they wanted to win. They like did their very best to make Jensen win. And then, and Jensen got runner up. Um, but you don't give someone a contemporary number with Robert in the finale. If you don't like, come on, you obviously want her to win. Cause it's your narrative. And they also really like Hanalei and they really like these, all the, all this. It was a very qualified, a very, a very strong top, top 10 and in top four and everything. But it's just like, Come on, guys. So, so uh, Hanalei is a fantastic dancer. They're all go see the tour if you're so inclined. I'm sure it'll be a really great show. But um, this this structure, I do I don't think was a particularly successful one this season. And so, if they can, in, if they get renewed, Fox, if you renew the show, actually renew the show. Don't do don't do a 14 episode show when you are gonna have at least two episodes, maybe three, be auditions. You need more episodes for this for this show, or they need to just have fewer dancers. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll see if they come back. I don't know if they'll come back, but hopefully they do. And if they do, they come back with enough episodes to have you actually connect to 
all the dancers and really get invested in the journeys. Um, and I can always rewatch some of these dances on, uh, on YouTube because there were some really, this again, some really terrific dances and very talented, uh, very, very talented, uh, choreography and, and, and dancing this season. So that's where I'm at. So you think you can dance? Let me know listeners, if you watched, cause I don't know anyone else who watches, <laughs> let me know what you thought about the results and, and about the show, the season. Let's move on though to Rel, which had his premiere pi- uh, pilot. This is little Rel Howry's, show and no uh granted i was tired when i put this on but I-, I fell asleep three times watching this show this pilot it's only a half hour pilot and i i like started the beginning and then realized i had dozed off and then rewound it to like the second minute and then realized i had dozed off and then rewound it to like the fifth minute and then i finally finished watching the whole thing it's not it's not that good it's not. Um, there's good people in it. Like, Howery, I think we can all agree, is just really delightful in basically anything we found him in. And I think that um, Jordan L. Jones, who plays his brother, and Jessica Jess Hilarious Moore, who plays his best friend, are both have a lot of potential to be really good, but they're saddled with just really broad stuff in the pilot that's not particularly good. And I think that that's really the primary problem is is that the pilot plays really broad, even while it's doing, like, some interesting sort of observational um, type of comedy. Like, the whole thing with the loose boots, I think, is really good (laughs) and is a really good sort of concept and a really good sort of observational humor type stuff that doesn't translate into the overall scope of this particular episode, given of everything it has to establish with its premise. And establish the characters where that's really what the pilot should have been about is establishing these folks. But I just kept, no, I kind of want just like a Seinfeldian sort of a plot about these loose boots Mm -hmm. and then have it all congeal some way by the end. And I feel like there's room for that here, but if they continue in that kind of vein, but the pilot just doesn't deliver on that. So there's occasionally a couple of good laughs, but I also just, was not particularly amused by any of it either. Yeah, I don't care about any of the characters, and it wasn't funny enough for me to not care that I didn't care about the characters. Um, And again, the loose boots thing, I was was like, oh, that's funny. Um, But then I I think they couldn't decide, or they didn't decide whether they wanted to commit to a Seinfeld-like bit on it and have the character, which makes the characters jerks, right? Like, you have to commit to your main character being a jerk if you're going to do that. And they back away from that in in the pilot. They they start to go down that thread a little bit, but then they they want you to like him too much. So yeah. either do that or don't, and play into the you know the warmth of 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 Howry and that uh, humanity he brings to all of his performances. And I, I thought ending on the note that it does the pilot does works really well and was uh, something I yes. wasn't necessarily. Anticipating if they steer more into that, I'll be much more interested. Um, I also yeah. feel like this is easily a more interesting show if his ex-wife and the kids are around. Yes, absolutely. And so it's very strange that they don't do that. Like that 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 the the wife ex-wife has taken the kids and moved to Cleveland or wherever, and he's in Chicago. Like this does not play like someone who has two children and is used to seeing them every day of his life and now yeah. for the first time is not. Like, 
they they didn't sell that. Um, and and I think that Hari would work well with kids. Uh, the the comedic like energy there that he has and that they're giving this character would work great. And you could have him, you know, like he he has they're sharing custody, and so they're only around sometimes. There's plenty of things you could do with that, so that you explain why they're not around as much. If you don't want to have to deal with the the challenges that come with employing children, um, employing minors, yeah. but um, I I think that that steering into more of that approach, the way that they end the episode, I think would work much better if they aren't going to just make mm-hmm. him a jerk. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And it's, it it's a under, it's an under, um, it's just an underbaked show and an underbaked pilot is mm-hmm. what it boils down to. It's like you said, there's a number of ways to retool this and make it more interesting, but the show wants to do this sort of, he's starting over sort of narrative and it's not as compelling when you have how much that he clearly cares about his kids. Mm-hmm. And I want to see that story play out. I don't want to necessarily see him try to get back at his barber. Yeah. Well, and I don't have a, like, I should know in this first episode, I, I feel like they should know. And I should know as a viewer what the dynamic of his life was prior to this big change. And I have no sense of that. Like, was he a stay at home dad? Does he have a job? I th- I'm sh- he does have a job. I'm sure he's they mentioned nurse. it. Oh, he's a nurse. Okay. Yeah, that takes a, a lot of time. And I don't feel like that came through in anything that we saw. Like, you're right. They, they did mention that. And he says, as a nurse, yeah. this, um, I know people who are nurses, like, you, why is he never wearing scrubs? <laughs> is he never come from work or is he never heading to work? Um, yeah, there's just, there's, again, there's so much more they could do. He just doesn't feel anywhere near to find enough. It's like they went, well, Halry is terrific. We're just going to cast him yeah. and not, and not worry about the rest. It's like, mm, give him some more things to play. Um, so I, I actually, I don't, I'm not very interested in this show, but I could see this becoming something that's good. Um, yeah. Like six episodes from now. Um, yes. so, so I might check back in part with the season. Do you think you will, or, or are you going to just move on? Let's put it on the calendar to like check back in. Okay. Cause otherwise we will forget. Yeah, no, that's good. I, forget, I will do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay. Uh, how about wrecked hunt day? Did the hunt live up to the expectations? It did. I really appreciated sort of the through line of dealing with Florence Owen and Danny. Danny. Thank you. Um, and how Danny was responding with their breakup and how that played out through his time with the hunt, specifically the fact that he's just really good with throwing stars. And <laughs> everyone's just like, club. no. And it's just like summer camp. And it's just like, what? <laughs> no. Um, so I really appreciate that aspect of it. But I think my favorite bit was just the fact that Reese Darby spends the entire episode saying my big penis. And it's just, <laughs> Yeah. It's so good. And the way he delivers it, the way yeah, Steve delivered it, is just kind of, not in a bragging way, just in a legitimate, no, this is how I really legitimately feel about my penis. <laughs> and it's just like, 
Just very it's good. It's so matter of fact. It's just... Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. And there's no dispute from Karen about it either is yeah. the other thing that kind of like sells it. It's yeah. just like, Karen doesn't dispute that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no, like, <laughs> nobody feels the need to like make it a thing, which is yeah. much more entertaining. Uh, much more interesting. Yes. Yeah. I love the structure of this. I thought it was very mm-hmm. well, well written and planned uh, because basically the group breaks into ch- different groups, like subsets. Yeah. And we don't follow everyone because there's a lot of characters. So I would much rather yes. have an episode like this where we basically follow two groups of our survivors and then the 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 evil people watching them uh reacting yeah. to it's like are you still in that screenwriting class oh that, that how do we not have cameras here that was <laughs> that was really funny um so that and then just like these two smaller interpersonal dramas very driven by the emotion not at all driven by yeah. the plot and that is you know like plot instigating interpersonal you know dynamics and i thought that was really what worked really well it was really fun Uh, next week i imagine we'll get the 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 other group the rest of the group um do Mm -hmm. you think who do you think shot do you think that was chet um seeing as i've seen the promo for next week um i will not answer that okay fair enough i will go look look for that promo um but yeah the um there's <laughs> there, there's it ends on a cliffhanger a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah and and we know reese darby is gonna be back because he's just too funny he's too funny they can't if they're gonna if they're gonna write him off the show they're gonna explode him like they did to me i i appreciated how devastated declan was about it yeah that was awesome uh, my pawn <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, okay any other thoughts on wrecked anything you're looking forward for next episode or shall we move on to fall frontal no, uh, so Full Frontal came back with its brand new set this week, mm-hmm. and it's eh. fine. Yeah, I think yeah. I like the other set better. I like the other set a lot more better. I a lot more better. I like the last set a lot better <laughs> as as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just... the opening credits were fine. Um, yeah, I actually liked the opening credits a good bit. I thought those were fun. Yeah, I thought the other. I mean, and and I get the the change from a more like timid kind of ending to the original credits in this one it's just so much more confident like i get it um it, it felt very dated though to me it felt very 90s sure with the animation okay. and the bright color that. you know like and i'm guessing that's what they're going that must be what they're going for but um yeah. that felt like an interesting choice but i guess it's more distinctive i don't know i i was i'm it's, like that's not a thing that the show needed <laughs> at all. Um, so it was a, a little strange. I imagine that they'll probably like not show it every episode because sometimes yeah. they didn't even show like the very short opening yeah. every episode as well. So I feel like that we don't, we may not have to worry about that. Um, yeah. Every time. I'm sure they have a very good reason why they needed to change the set. That's like production behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe they changed studios, maybe yeah. any of these other things, but like, yeah, it, it was fine. It was I was I was a little underwhelmed. Um, as for the content of the episode, uh, I thought it was fun, and I have not had a chance to to play the the game that the this is not a game game about politics for reasons that we discussed because your phone is just collapsing. Yeah, it, it, it was downloading real <laughs> slow. Everybody, I was trying to get the get it from the app store, and it just was taking a really long time. So maybe. It, has finished downloading and I can play it now. Um, I'm always leery about those trivia games that they like, give you money because I'm like, mm, you're there's no ads on this, so why you're not just giving me money? You're getting something, but I don't know what you're getting, so I assume that means you're selling my data. 
Yeah, which would be a terrible thing for them to do, considering that the app was very much about civic engagement and made a big deal about that throughout the yeah. clip. And it's just like, civic engagement, but we're going to sell your data to them? To yeah. someone? Yeah. yeah. So, like, if there's ads or something, if there's a way that they're covering the expense of the prize money... Then that's, mm-hmm. that's, then okay, then I get it. But if there's not, then I'm confused. I know some people who do the trivia app games, like they were talking about, mm-hmm. and who do it regularly and occasionally, you know, win some cash off of it. And I've played those on their phones and they were fun and everything. And I could see getting really hooked on that. But I just was like, oh no, I'm definitely not downloading this on my phone. No, no. Like occasionally like 10 bucks, 15 bucks that you get off of this is not worth whatever they're doing to actually make money because they're not just doing this for funsies and to give you money out of the kindness of their heart. So uh, I raised a very skeptical eyebrow to that. And I think that's fair. Like, I don't even play games on my phone, really, Mm -hmm. at all. I don't think I have any games loaded on my phone. So I'm... I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm very boring with my phone. Fair enough. I really enjoyed the, um, the, the feedback, the very blatant, like, oh no, this is bad. It's like, <laughs> we have a shitty game. We have a shitty game, but maybe it won't always be shitty, which is something I appreciated. <laughs> I think anybody to have. who writes stuff knows what that's like. You just, it's you just need to write. You just need to get it on the page and just accept that it's going to be bad. And then you'll fix it because that's why you do it. Because you are able, capable of fixing it or else people wouldn't be hiring you. But um, yeah, if you're so terrified about it, something being terrible that you never do start the process, then you're never going to end up with something meaningful. So yeah, that was that was fun. I enjoyed it. So uh, maybe I'll play the game and we'll let you know next week. Um, but uh, we'll see. I guess it'll depend on my new phone. If my new phone <laughs> has enough uh, battery space or sorry, uh, memory space for it. But uh, yeah. Let us know. It should. It, oh, it it will. <laughs> it's very pretty. There's like 200 gigs in total memory. It's I'm very excited. It's gonna have more memory <laughs> than my laptop. <laughs> but um, um. Anyways, uh, that's l- listeners. If you're if you're checking out the game, if you watch this episode, let us know what you thought about it. Reach out uh, the televerse at gmail.com. Let's move on to our last episode for our weekend TV, and that is the miniaturist on masterpiece. Uh, this is episode one. Is this original? Is this based on a book or something? Like, where? Because yeah, you, you added this to our thing. I didn't know about this at all. How did you find this? Uh, so I was poking around on the Masterpiece website because I wanted to know when Poldark started back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, and then I they were promoting this really specifically. And then in KCTS, which is the local uh, PBS station up here in the Seattle-Tacoma area, the miniaturist was like their little cover story for like this month's magazine that they send out to members. And so I was just like, Oh, this seems really cool. What is this about? And Mm -hmm. so this is based on 2014 novel, uh, that deals exactly with a young woman in like 17th century Amsterdam who gets married for the sake of her family's like financial well being, And when she gets there, no one wants anything to do with her. And her wedding gift is a nine room miniature house. That is her house. (laughs) And after she orders a couple of things from a miniaturist, from a approved list of craftspeople, um, the miniaturist keeps sending her stuff that seemed to get weirder and weirder and weirder, but also reveal secrets. (laughs) And so I haven't read the book, but I liked the premise of this a whole lot. 
So I I decided to make sure that I watched it. And I I really enjoyed this first episode a great deal. Um, I liked the aesthetics of it. That very sort of Baroque staging for a lot of stuff. I liked a lot of the performances in it uh, so far. So I'm really excited to see the next two episodes. I watched this with my person and the next day she was just like so can we watch the second episode and i just went no we have to wait until it airs and she just looked at me and went right that's how television works right since we've just been streaming so much stuff this summer it's just like right right (laughs) um so how did you feel about it since this was something you wouldn't i'm assuming like super cold on in terms of knowing anything yeah. yeah, no, I had no idea. I, I did. Yeah, I went in completely blind to this. Uh, other than, you know, what you see when you pull it up on demand, which is like, yeah, okay, it looks very masterpiece, right? And yes, and no, the, super masterpiece. <laughs> the Amsterdam setting, you know, can't help but evoke that style of painting. Like, you think of the uh, the Night Watch, and, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody's wearing the period appropriate black and white, and there's, like, yeah. all this... Um, political intrigue happening uh sort of on the sidelines because the main character doesn't know what's isn't knowledgeable about that and doesn't know that she should be paying attention to it so like people are saying things but she's not paying attention so if you're listening as a viewer you are but it would be easy to not notice that all that happening um so i I really Uh liked how that was handled and it it was just gorgeous to look at it was absolutely like you look like you're watching it looks like you're watching a painting um Uh almost like to a fault it's almost a little ridiculous when she the main character is in uh nell is in these like gorgeous gowns bright colors and everybody else around her is in black and white it's like lady read the room (laughs) take a social cue i mean i know your new husband bought you clothes bought you all these lovely dresses so that you would you know have things to wear when you moved away from your family and like with like almost nothing like i get it but I mean, but she needs to stand out so that they know he has a wife. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it, I get it, but like, it just—it's almost over the top garish, and I, I, it was taking me out of the story because, like, because no okay. one else has anything. Now there are a couple characters, like the snooty business acquaintance's wife, um, who has a v- her hat at church is so good. Yeah, they have very over-the-top, ridiculous, she had very over-the-top, ridiculously extravagant black clothes, right? And that feels like it would be more in keeping, you know, like, actually more appropriate. But um, it also highlights the tension between the brother and sister, which I think is it yeah. makes a lot of sense and works with what we see here. But anyways, that is beside the point. I thought that the actual story gets more compelling as it goes along, and yeah. I like the performances quite a bit. But more than anything, it just really made me want to watch The Hour again. <laughs> sure. And, I mean, it's probably watching Ordeal by Innocence didn't help with that. No. No, it didn't. But, um, because I just, Malagari, I see here, and the character she's playing is, like, yeah, she's, a, it's it's very, it's very heightened. Um, We do not allow sugar in this house because yeah. the luxury corrupts and, the soul. <laughs> and you get a sense over the course of the first episode, the dad's coming very much from a place of fear and from, like, as you figure out more of what's going on, that makes a little more sense um, as an extreme reaction, but as a as an understandable reaction to some of these other things that she's worried about um, coming to light. But um, but I just, I just, I really appreciate, I was like, 
I missed the hour. She was so good on the hour. That show should have gotten another season. Why did it not? Um, and so I might just spool, spool that up next because I haven't watched it in, in way too long. So, um, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with it. I will watch the rest of the next two. And the, I mean, I feel like I already know the answer. Air quotes, if there yeah. is an answer to what's going on as far as like these packages just keep showing up with all the, like it is creepy and they have, and it's also encouraging our main character to like, discover secrets and everything like but it seems pretty clear to me what's going on with that i'm not gonna say anything in case i'm right i want to spoil things but um so i hope that that isn't the thrust of what we're supposed to be focusing on i i hope they that that's sort of like a fun additional thing and not i, I could see that becoming the central point and i hope it doesn't yeah. you know what i mean um but i like yeah. everything that we're getting this first episode and i think the what we find out by the end of the first episode is a much better and more interesting answer than what we are led to believe is going on and yes. um we will see yeah i mean there's only two more episodes so i don't yes. know what the like this feels like the kind of thing that could be a series like a full mm-hmm. tv show like i would be interested yeah. in watching a tv show with these characters in this setting where it's like a 10 episode season, like over and over. Like, so if, the, but there's only two more episodes, so that means it must come to a central conflict and resolution, <laughs> you know, instead of being in, uh, episodic. And I'm not sure what that can be outside of, you know, what it obviously could be. So, um, yeah. I don't, I, I'm talking around things too much to, so I should just stop, but I will be watching the rest and we will, I'm sure, chime in after the finale. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm very excited since I just, I really enjoyed this and it was a good sort of low-key sort of creep fest in a lot of ways, but it was also really, really pretty and I just, I was very happy with it. Okay. Well, what wins your yeah. week in TV? Uh, probably The Miniaturist, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't I didn't get around to Fully Cooly Alternative. I watched half of it and I liked what I saw as Thomas, as Thomas sort of alluded to when he came on to talk about Progressive. But I didn't get to finish it. So miniaturist definitely. Uh, what about you? Um, shout out to Venture Brothers, which was fun. Elementary, mm-hmm. uh, I had a lot more fun with than I was anticipating. Um, and, well, we'll see. I shouldn't say anything yet. Somebody didn't get killed that I expected to get killed on Elementary this week, <laughs> which is made me very happy. Um, but I think, uh, oh, and Castle Rock had its finale. Yeah. Um, I already said for the last week. It was fine. It was good. Um, but actually, I think I'll give it to Great British Bake Off because I want. I finished the most recent season, with the 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 Mary Berry less season, and yeah, um, the 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 bakes, the bakers they had this season were so good. I think they knew that it was going to be shaky having new hosts and a new judge, so they made sure they got really good bakers, and mm-hmm. it felt like a distinct step up. In some of the, with the challenges, the, the the creativity of the challenges, and with what the bakers were producing. Uh, however, there, it just it, it still feels a little wrong. And the scoring. Okay, have you watched? You've watched some of this, right? Uh, did you keep watching it, or have you stopped? No, I stopped after I wasn't getting any uh, technicals, and I just went. I'm not watching okay. this. I want technicals. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they have the technicals on on Netflix if you watch it on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but they like they changed the scoring. It is weird. They're using weird. percussion and celeste instead of pizzicato strings. Now, they still occasionally use pizzicato strings, but it used to be just a straight string orchestra without any of the other stuff and sometimes bowed, often pizzicato. But they changed to this, and it's like, I know this is something nobody else cares about. I get it. But the string orchestra sound is a very British sound. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I didn't notice that I was missing it until until uh, it just like this one episode. I was like, this really feels very hollow. What's going? And it's like oh, they're using mallet instruments instead of strings, and that's a often. Not always. Percussionists don't hate me. Um, but a warmer sound with strings than it is with anything that's struck because of how you create the sound. Um, the, you know, using vibration and, and, and pulling and then releasing the sound as opposed to striking something to create the sound. Um, and so, like, and it just, it just really has left me cold. And why would you change that? <laughs> and then as soon as I noticed it, I could not hear it. So they do still use string orchestra. They do still use it. But, they, but there's this shift in the sound. And maybe if I went back and rewatched some of the older stuff, I would hear that, no, that was always in there. But I don't think so. Because I was listening to that scoring very carefully when I was reviewing the most recent season on PBS for AV Club. And it was, like, consistently string orchestra, no celeste, no mallet instruments, just string orchestra. So occasionally they might have had some other, they might have had some other instrumentation in there too. But just, like... It just felt very weird. Felt very weird. I don't know why you do, why you changed that. Um, and I want my warm, snuggly blanket, please, of original flavor, original recipe, um, bake off. But I will say, like those, the fi- the final challenge, um, they had the show supper was an entremet, and they crushed it, man. Like all three of them in the in the final just made these gorgeous. Even the person who was having a bit of a hard time, was clearly came in third place, um, made these gorgeous mirror glazed entremets which means like cake and custard and jam like all these layered things um with mousse around the outside and then you have a mirror glaze on top um so like they made it just like just like they look ridiculous it's such a high level and they did caramel week which was really fun and they did italian week which was really fun and they had a couple weeks so it was like mm, you're crushing it um, I'm talking way too long here. I should realize I should just have put it into the rundown. But, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> but that was what wins my week in TV. So uh, you know, there were some stretches. I don't like some of the tonal shifts. They're way more interested in winning and losing, like the judges, mm-hmm. and and like and and the, the, way too much discussion of calories. Like there should be no discussion of calories. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, that's weird. Like, if you're going, was the, is this worth the calories? Oh, this one's definitely worth the calories. It means that you're thinking maybe it's not worth the calories, which means that you are shaming yourself for your food choices, which is not what you should do on a baking show. Come on. We go there to escape. Also, you're getting paid to eat the food. I don't quite understand the disconnect here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's... Is it worth the paycheck is the question you should be asking yourself. (laughs) Well, I think it has to do with, like, trying to connect to the average viewer and everything. But you're not. That's not what you're doing. That's not what the show is. The show is, oh, doesn't it feel nice to be in this warm, comfy tent in the middle of gorgeous weather wherein cake has no calories? (laughs) 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 That's, it's, 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 the whole show is escapism. So it's just very strange. Anyways, that's what wins my week in TV. Now, thank you for indulging me, listeners. Thank you, Noel. Now, let's take a break and come back with our spotlight on Ordeal by Innocence. Best faces, please. Smile, Mother. So everyone knows we're happy. Your fingerprints mixed with your mother's blood. I didn't kill her. 
I'm Jack Argyle's alibi. If Jack didn't kill Mother, then who did? You are the light, the flame. Where were you? No one hated her more than you. God almighty, Mother. Oh, bloody family of suspects. Which one of them's got blood on their hands? Do you're not telling the truth. I just want to do what's right. Let the police deal with him. And I'll make it all better, as I always do. We have to look after each other. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week for our Spotlight se- segment, we are looking at Ordeal by Innocence, which is a three-episode miniseries uh, produced by the BBC that is now available on uh, Amazon Prime streaming. And like I looked at this list. It popped up when I was on Amazon for something else. I'm trying to use less Amazon because, you know, they're evil. Um, but I did find myself on Amazon. It has popped up. And I saw the cast. And I was like, what? Um, because listeners, if you're not familiar with this adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel, let me tell you who's in the cast. You have Bill Nye, you have Anna Chancellor, who people might not know who that is, but she was on The Hour as the boozy, awesome lady in the office. She's been in like a million things. She's in like, doesn't she play Caroline Bingley in one of the Pride and Prejudices? Uh, I think so. So. She, she's been around forever. She's fabulous. You'll she yeah. you'll recognize her. It has Alice Eve. It has uh more for more significantly for us. It has uh Matthew Good. It has uh Luke Treadaway, who is a twin. Did you know that? I did not know that. He's an identical twin, and his identical twin brother is also an actor who is the one on Penny Dreadful. The guy in this is not the one in Penny Dreadful. That's so strange to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you think it's the same guy because they're both very good actors, um, and they both do a wonderful job. And they're and um and so his brother was the was the guy who's on Penny Dreadful and on The Terror. Anyway, so so there these are some really oh, terrific actors. <laughs> yes, that is why he looked familiar. <laughs> um, so it's a really really terrific cast that people might actually be more familiar with this because this is the one that the the adaptation the miniseries that Ed Westwick was in. Um, when he was accused of sexual assault and they cut him out and refilmed all those scenes with Christian Cook instead uh, in mm-hmm. that role. And who does, I think, a terrific job, especially if you understand the context of not a lot of preparation time. Um, no, they shot like they shot like 30, 45 minutes of, of like scenes across um, like 12 days, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, to do really quickly. And um, it also explains some like minor continuity errors that come up. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was but, pretty seamless. Certainly. Like, I would yeah, not no, have. Yeah, it's pretty seamless. It, I would have chalked those up to just standard production things and not yeah. like, no, they refilmed huge swaths of the episodes. Um, so, so for those who don't know, Noel, why don't we uh, walk through what is, what is Ordeal by Innocence? Right, so Ordeal by Innocence is a Christie novel that deals with the murder of Rachel Rachel Argyle, who is a woman who takes in a number of uh, orphans over the course of her uh, marriage with her husband Leo, and so she's found dead in her like study or whatever, and <clears throat> the assumption is is that Jack, who's sort of the troubled one, the most overtly troubled one, we should say, since they're all 
troubled. They all have <laughs> lots of delicious secrets and they all have lots of drama. Yes. Uh, gets arrested and is his fingerprints are found on what is presumed to be the murder weapon and he ends up like dying in jail etc etc and then like a year and a half later someone comes someone comes to the estate just as leo's about to marry his secretary his his wife's his wife's old secretary which is his late wife's secretary yes yeah thank you and says oh no i'm i'm jack's alibi i've just been away and just saw the i didn't know about the trial or anything i would come forward but so i just he, he he's in the clear what he's told you was true and all of a sudden this turns a number of things upside down as the family has to grapple with figuring out who actually killed rachel if it wasn't jack and it, it could still be jack <laughs> it could it could still be jack so there's a lot you're following there's a it's very much a whodunit um yeah. it's it's a whodunit structure like a white on it um yes which is, which is nice, an interesting yeah, way yeah. of approaching it. However, I do think it, it that it that ends up that approach ends up unbalancing things a little bit because they work too hard to make sure every single person has a motive for wanting to fly or for right. flying into a rage and killing at least killing uh, Rachel um like in a moment of like temporary insanity or whatever. Yeah. Um or calculatedly which is why I joked to my partner that this was actually a murder on the Orient Express situation. And they all killed. Her. They all killed her. Yeah. No. They. They. And because they do that, they. Um. They. I don't think it, the show successfully, uh, or as successfully as it should have, manages to get you invested in who killed her. Um. And Anna Chancellor does give some moments of real depth to that performance, but they're so invested in making sure that you could understand why any of her children killed her, which requires her to be being terrible, um, that at a certain point you stop caring that she's been murdered <laughs> until late at the end where they try to give her just these couple moments of, like, uh, of of context, I guess, um, that doesn't fully work. And I think if they had, if they had, um, yeah, if they had made her more rounded, then or more relatable earlier on, they might have tipped their hand a little bit that certain people didn't do it, but I would have yeah, cared. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I would have cared way more who actually did then, you know? Um, and, and I think they also, you know, the, the you know, people who've read the book, um, they, they changed who killed her <laughs> from the book. Yes. And I, they, you could see when you know that and you're watching, you can totally see them messing with the audience with that. Because the one character yeah. they don't give a clear motive is the person who kills her in the book. And so then you're watching be like, yeah, it seems like so-and-so has no motive, but that's because she did it. Or that's because he did it, you know? Uh, and then they didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. um, having, yeah. And, and so, so it's like a double fake, but I would re- much rather that they, just that, instead of spending all that energy, they, they just made me care about the fact that she was killed more than they did. Um, so that's sort of where I was at with with the overall thing. Was it satisfying for you? Did you did you, were you invested in who done it or, and why done it? I was more invested in the why done it than I was in the who. Um, mm. I think all your points are really accurate in terms of the sliding that they do to Rachel as a character uh, undermines the fact that we're supposed to care that she's dead. And I do still think that she does a number of really horrible things, even in the last episode where we're oh, yeah. 
unspooling like how it actually happened and it's just like a lot of this is bad a lot of this is very bad mm-hmm. and so it's i i don't care that she's dead i'm just more curious about how her behavior drove these people to where we find them basically and that i think is the more psychological interiority of it i think is much more interesting for me anyway the way it's constructed and presented here which is why sort of like the end is very satisfying why the the first two episodes basically just thrive on matthew good's energy for so long yeah and we're going to talk about that because holy shit (laughs) but i think that the overall like giving everyone a motive and giving everyone really solid motives i think just helps a lot and i think that it's what helps me is the fact that they've got a cast of really, really talented actors here that hedge just enough with why they may have killed her to justify it. Like Eleanor Tomlinson, who plays Mary, who's also in Poldark um, as Demelza, is just really, really good here. And the sheer kind of brutalness that she gives Mary, I think, is really, really good. And I think just the overall arc of, all right. All of them could have done it. So which one is it? And for what reason? What what reason is the one that most drove them to kill Rachel? I think is a much more interesting question. And I think that the show does a really good job of undermining that by the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the ending works really well. I don't know that it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense, but... It's really effective. no. It does. It makes it makes literally no sense. But I don't care because it's very good. No, who done it and why done it make complete sense and work really well yeah. and is a much better answer than the answer in the book. Like yes, which we're not going to say what either one is, but like it's a much better answer. Um, yeah. But like that's not the note that it ends on. It ends on something more interesting no. than that. Uh, I do think the um, the stuff with Treadway's character, the guy who shows up and is the alibi, is very yeah, impactful. Calvary works well um yeah the i don't know that his backstory is as satisfying as i think they again they work too hard to uh, to obfuscate it so that you're yes you know like for too long and i think if they had led with that instead it would have clicked and made more sense i also kept waiting for there to be a subplot about how actually like jack was gay and mm-hmm. and he was like involved romantically with this guy, and that's how it's like, no, he was definitely with me, and, but, like, various things about the time, the setting and everything kept, you know, like, I kept waiting for something like that to be a more, so there's a more interesting or compelling reason why he keeps, like, no, I must clear his name, I must clear his name, it's like, no, it's just the guy he gave a drive, like, gave a lift to, and he's got personal things about guilt. Like, it's, like, I kept waiting for there to be more there, and there wasn't, um, outside of his separate backstory, which, again, I'm trying not to spoil, but, um, so I think they they could have made if they're gonna just, if they're gonna make changes, there's more they could have done to make it more interesting. But then I guess you sacrifice the any person quality of that character, which I think right. maybe is like the, the decency of the everyman, um, which maybe is what they're going for. What do you think about that? I really like Calgary's backstory and his motivations for mm-hmm. what he wants to do. I think that the show gets a little too purple by the time that we figure it out, by the time they reveal it. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I didn't really need that whole blue screen sequence um, <laughs> of his mental state show. That wasn't necessary. Um, there's a, the actor is strong enough that he can convey that without the special effects. 
And so I was never waiting for a, like, some sort of, like, twist on it. I, I appreciated, like, the, this, the tortured simplicity mm-hmm. of Calgary's motivations. Okay. And so th- that never bothered me. And I, I really enjoyed that, even as the show sort of strains itself a little bit to spell it out so that you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I also uh, really actually enjoyed the performance of the actor who plays Jack, uh, who only shows mm-hmm. up, who's like, who only shows up briefly, I guess. Uh, is that a spoiler? Anyways, he's he's not in all of, you know, all of it. Anthony Boyle's the actor. And I think that he pitches that act, that character just right for all the other dynamics that we need to see over the course of- yes. The the, ep- the the story, the three episodes. Um, Lucy, I think the other performances are all like they're all good. They're all yeah. they're all consistently strong down the line. Uh, but we gotta talk about Matthew Good because he is just <laughs> eating all the scenery, and and it's just amazing, and it's really really fun, and it's just what the show needs. It's like yes. it's it's ju- the perfect level of sleazy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it makes it, again, when I was saying in the, in the opening segment of the podcast today, like it's very summer watching, it's because it's deliciously skeezy. <laughs> it's just yes. the right level of that. And, um, and I was watching this going like, Matthew Good is Finn Polmar, who's like the most good and decent and amazing character ever. And then he's also doing this and he's just so deliciously, it's like, I was trying to decide. I was like, oh, oh, the Matthew Good role to show up and be like the kind of the the sexy, skeezy, you know, like yeah. rakish guy. I'm like, but but wait, wait, wait. But he's also Finn Polmar. So I thought the Matthew Good character is like just the upstanding, decent, like heartthrobby kind of. Which one is he? He's both. As a, I'm curious, do you have an opinion? If you were to say the Matthew Good role in a production like this. What does that mean to you now? And has it shifted since we met him on The Good Wife? It has shifted like a little bit. Like, I mean, there's every adaptation of this ordeal by innocence where Matthew Good plays Treadway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, play, not plays Treadway, plays Calgary. Like, yeah. that's sort of like who you assume Matthew Good is in this kind of production. And it's, he would he's crush Calgary. it. Yeah, he would. He would have been great. But the decision to make him Philip. And they're, the way that they conceptualize Philip as this just skeezy, money-hungry, scheming drunkard, um, it's just so great. And like you said, he's just chewing every ounce of the scenery that's around him. And then is just like, please give this man more scenery because they're out. They're out. <laughs> and he needs more. Because I'm not done watching it yet. Yeah. And so he's just, it's a really delightful type of performance and a kind of like edged performance that I don't think I've seen from him. Admittedly, I haven't watched enough of like him across like a lot of stuff is a fault of mine, but he's just, he's so good. And so he's having just far too much fun is the problem. And it helps that he's the only one allowed to have fun because everyone else isn't allowed to have fun. Everyone else is too close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one because listeners. He plays the the husband of 
one of the siblings whose mother was killed. Um, yeah. and, and he is, uh, he's paralyzed. And so he physically can't have done it because she was downstairs yeah. and he was upstairs. And this yeah. is in the fifties. There aren't any lifts. So like, yeah. And it's not like an Agatha Christie trick that somehow he's not actually, no, like, no, like I kept he, waiting for him to stand up. Right. But. Yeah. No, he, he didn't do it. He couldn't have done it. And, and it's yeah. not actually his mom. And he's terrible, so he doesn't really care how much his wife is suffering. No, no, he just wants to make money off of it. So that that gives yeah. him the distance to like comment upon and like have you know have some have a different perspective than everybody else. And yeah. this is a a story that desperately needs some laughs, yeah, and desperately yeah. needs that energy that he brings to this, um, to to keep it from being too. Uh, overwrought and yeah. intense and and taking yourself way too seriously so so yeah that that like all the performances are strong but and i think actually i mean the mary it would be very easy like of all the characters mary's the one that would be easiest to be really obnoxious and not actually any in, not fun to watch um yeah. so so eleanor Tom, thomason does deserve particular credit but um the the yeah. character you you're walking away with enjoying the most is definitely philip Right, and I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that good really taps into how psychologically just broken this guy is. Of mm-hmm. like, my life has no meaning. I'm bored, and I'm miserable in this house. So, oh, look at here's this fun thing to play with, and that's what he does. Is like Calgary gets dismissed by everyone initially, and then Phillips just like, but. But but all this stuff, and let's talk about this more, and he just keeps poking at everything. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. So while Calgary's sort of the catalyst for this, it doesn't work without Philip just keep lighting that match over and over again, and just like throwing the whole box of lit matches <laughs> into this house and going, well, this is entertaining, but now I'm drunk and need to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, any other moments or performances or elements you want to discuss here it's tricky Um, because we could talk more about it but then we have to spoil the ending and i think right and i don't want to do we both had missed this so i think there's lots of people who haven't seen it yet so we don't want to do that yeah yeah i don't want to do that um i think that the aesthetics of it work really well um i think that the woman who plays um who plays kirsten Mm -hmm. um morgan christie is really good at not calling attention to herself except when the cinematography wants you to notice her in scenes which makes sense as the housekeeper and i think that there's a really quiet sort of strength to that performance which is very necessary by the (laughs) yeah oh yeah um so i really enjoyed that performance as well um alice eve who plays gwendo the secretary um she's saddled with probably the worst character in the entire production definitely she she's she like good is like trying to find is like trying to knock out a lot of it and she's she taps into just how awful Gwenda is mm-hmm. but there's only so much you can do with that character and the show's decision to sort of bench her towards the end i think is really smart yeah and and so i think that those are the things that really kind of stand out mm-hmm. um and like I said at the top, like I'm interested in seeing what Sarah Phelps does going forward since she's just apparently has like Agatha Christie's limited permission to start playing around in this world a lot. 
Um, since she's also adapted, like, like I said, she did the, and then there were none, um, adaptation that came out a couple of years ago with Aiden, uh, Turner, which and was terrific. They, which was terrific. And then she also did witness for the prosecution, which I have not seen, but I think mm. it's on Amazon and that got really good reviews. That's got Toby Jones do you want, in it. Do you want, do you want to do that? Do you want to yeah, spotlight no. that? Yeah. If it's available, we should definitely do that. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, she's doing, she's adapting uh, Perot ABC uh, Murder, uh, which is a solid book. Mm-hmm. But Malkovich is playing Perot. And no. I'm really, I'm just, yeah, no, I'm not. That casting's just Boo. very weird. It's and wrong casting. It's very wrong casting. It's even wronger, I think, than Branagh, but I'm not sure yet until I see it. <laughs> yeah. It's somehow they managed to get a wronger casting than Branagh. No. Yeah. Just, just no. He's he's the little Belgian, the yeah. little and Belgian. Malkovich, Malkovich is like tall and gangly. Yeah. No. There's just so many reasons. Okay, that just hurts my brain. You said earlier with Malkovich, I just assumed that he was playing a different role because, of course, no, no, he wouldn't be playing Poirot. That's ridiculous. Oh, no, man. he's playing Poirot. Uh, um, Suchet is and shall always remain my Poirot. I will. I'm willing to watch other interpretations. That's fine. Yeah. But they're not n- just Poirot and Suchet. The, what I walked away with this from, or what I walked for, away from this with, I should say, um, is a couple things. First of all, I it made me really want to rewatch that F- Finn Pulmar arc, and like, and well, and it also just really highlighted for me how like they recovered pretty well with the Jeffrey D. Morgan character and everything. But like, I want to see the season of The Good Wife where Finn Pulmar's around more. Uh-huh. You know, like that's a more interesting season um, than what we got. Uh, cause, cause they never then had anybody like him as that character is a contrast to Will and pulling Alicia towards the light as opposed to towards the dark, which is what her work tended to do each season. She got, she got darker and darker and that just got less interesting for me. Like I, I, this made me really miss that, that we never got to see that for various reasons. Um, though I don't begrudge good trying to escape that set, <laughs> which is in my head canon. That's what happened. And, you know, based on how things went down, who would blame him? Um, so that that was one of my takeaways, really thinking about good. But my other big takeaway, and we haven't talked about Bill Nye, who's very good in this as well as the Patriot. Yeah. But I need to see Anna Chancellor in so many more things because she's amazing and she's really good here. I mean, I have issues with the character, but that's really more what that's not Chancellor. Chancellor does a good job with this with this performance as Rachel, and like she needs to the character needs to be certain things f- to allow the plot to proceed as it does. Um. But I feel like she doesn't have, like, she should be a name that more, more people know. I didn't know her name yeah. before this. I knew that I had seen her in a bajillion things. She was always great, but I had never taken, like, remembered her name. And seeing her next to Nye, uh, Bill Nye, being, and being like, yeah, no, that's that seems right. That is appropriate. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then being like, wait, I've known Bill Nye's name for, like, decades. I should know Anna Chancellor's name and she should be getting more material as opposed to just like the friend who bops in for a, a quit, a witty aside here and there. Like she's got so much that she can offer. And I feel like she just doesn't get cast anywhere near enough. So that was the other big, my other big takeaway from watching this is, man, I need more Anna Chancellor in my life. And she's going to be on trust or she was on season one of trust or she's going to be on season two of trust. So that honestly might be enough to get me to finally watch trust. Ha ha ha! They found a way. They found a way. Brendan Fraser cast the casting. Brendan Fraser was like, 
almost enough, but not quite. But like Anna Chancellor's enough, I think. So that's my other takeaway. Um, and it's just fun to live in that Agatha Christie world and to see a different take mm-hmm. on it, you know? Yeah. Different feel. So like, and a competent, you know, really good take too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be for everyone, which is fine. Um, but I appreciate a different feel. So yeah, we'll see what they, what they do with ABCs of death, which I will now watch even like with that wrong casting. I will still watch it because of the strength of, uh, of this one and of, of then there were none. And we will check out witness for the prosecution if we can as well. And so we can be all caught up on our Sarah Phelps, but, um, yeah, this was fun. It was fun talking, diving in with this. Noel. so thank you for watching it. Thank you. Yeah. A few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed or an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. If you do leave us a rating or review, like drop us a line so that we know because we don't hear about them for a while. Um, then, of course, we're both on uh, Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And thank you once again, Noel. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. (laughs) 